Glad you're able to join in with us, and uh, we hope the things we have to say this evening will be strengthening and encouraging to each one of us. So I'd like to speak to us tonight about victories in Jesus, things that Jesus did that allowed victories that he saw and the victories that we can see ourselves as well. So just before Jesus started his ministries in Luke chapter 4, he goes into the wilderness, and he goes into the wilderness and he's going to fast for 40 days, and then Satan comes to tempt him. In Luke chapter 4, and starting in verse 3, the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to, come to, be, to become bread. He goes down a little bit farther. Well, I guess let's just pause right here. So as we think of what is, what is Satan trying to do, he's trying to work on Jesus' weakness, or what he thinks would be Jesus' weakness. He's saying, you know, Satan knows who he's talking to. He knows who is, whose presence he's with. There's just the two of them. So he knows what he's dealing with. But he's trying to find a way to get Jesus to falter, to sin, to do something that's not godly. And so he says, if. He's using that word to, to just kind of put a dig in. Not just, you are the Son of God, but, you know what, if you are. You know, show it to me. Where he says, you know, you've been hungry, you've been out here for 40 days. You can just picture this conversation going on. I mean, you've got to be starving. It's just you and I. Nobody's going to know. You're not stealing it. You're not taking it from anybody else. Why not just take this piece of bread and make it into a stone? Jesus says, it is written, man should not live by bread alone. So the devil takes him up. So he can seize all the kingdoms of the world. Now, if we remember, what is Jesus' purpose here on earth? He's here to be our Savior. He's here to be our sacrifice. He is the one that is going to go through pain and anguish and death on the cross for mankind. So Satan comes to him again. If you then worship me, I will give all that is yours. So he shows him all the, all the kingdoms of the world. Look how easy this would be. You know, all you have to do is just fall down and worship me. You can, you can forego all of those problems you're getting ready to see. Jesus says, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you should serve. So Satan starts to use scripture against him. Takes him a little farther. They go up into the pinnacle of the temple. Says, if... Again, you are the Son of God. Throw yourself down for here, for it is written, he will, com- he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And their hands will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a rock. So, hey, it's written that if you jump off here, you can prove that you're the Son of God. And it, it says in Scripture, hey, you won't get hurt. All, all you got to do is do this. We see that Je- Jesus o- overcame again. It is written, you should not put the Lord your God to the test. So we see Jesus was victorious over Satan. Satan is looking for a weakness. He's looking for a way to get in and pick at Jesus and say, how can I get you to sin? So what does Jesus do to us? How does Jesus tempt us? Well, we see he found Jesus when he was alone. He found Jesus when he thought he would be at his weakness. He found Jesus when he thought... Nobody else is around. Nobody will notice. But Jesus overcame. 
That is the way that we should be. We should look at the way that Jesus was victorious over Satan. So when, he's, when we're at our weakest, where can we turn to for help? When we are struggling, where can we look to for strength? When we are the most vulnerable, where do we find ourselves? That's where Satan is looking for us to be. And he's looking for you and he's looking for me to try and draw us away from God. But just as Jesus was victorious, we can find ways of being victorious as well. Again, by being prepared in the same way that Jesus would. What would, what would God want me to do in this particular situation? So Jesus then goes into his ministries farther down in Luke chapter 4. And so over the next three years, he spends a lot of time uh, teaching people, healing people, uh, instructing people, even getting in conflicts with the leaders, with the Jewish leaders. I guess the one that I would like to look at is in John chapter 4, the woman at the well. So Jesus comes to this woman. He says, give me something to drink. She looks and says, you know, uh, I'm a Samaritan and you're a Jew. You know, I'm surprised that you're even talking with me. And he prepares her and says, you know what? What I have is you'll never need to drink again. I can give you this living water. Well, this intrigues her. He says, go and get your husband. He says, well, I don't have a husband. He said, you know what? You're right. And the ones that you were with, you've had five husbands, and the one you're with now is not your husband. And so she recognizes that this man should not have known the detail of his life. Of her life, excuse me. And so he says, well, go get him. And so she leaves and she tells people, hey, I've met this guy. So if we go down to John chapter 4, and we will start in verse 19. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers, fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship Father you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here that when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is the Spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He, is who, he who is called Christ, when he comes, he will tell us all these things. And Jesus says to her, I who speak to you am he. And so he sends her away. And if we drop down to verse 39. So she goes and she tells others about him. Verse 39, many Samaritans from the town believed in him. Why? Because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. So I chose this particular account because we see Jesus breaking barriers. He's not only... Uh, talking to a Samaritan, but he's getting them to believe in him. He's getting them to accept him. 
So the Jews have been, have been waiting for him, but now the Samaritans are wanting him to spend time with him. And so we see this victory that Jesus has, not with just the Jews, those many that followed him, but now he's venturing out in the Samaritans as well. So what about us? So we think just this local congregation, if, I'm, if my numbers are correct, approximately one-third of us did not grow up in the church. So someone taught us the gospel. Someone told us about Jesus, just like this woman told all of the others. They told, somebody told the, uh, one of us about the gospel, and we followed that. What if you're not a Christian? Have you taken that step? Maybe you're still growing up in the church. Maybe you're visiting. Maybe this is your first time here. What is it that God wants us to do? But that victory that Jesus has is that he's not looking for his particular age. He's not looking for a particular sex. He's not looking for a particular group. He's looking for all mankind. And he's broadening that out. And we see that once he gets into uh, Paul's going out, we see that missionary journey where many of the Gentiles believe. We see that here Jesus is breaking barriers. He's victorious in breaking that, that wall that's between them. As we think a little bit more about Jesus' life, we go into when he's uh, coming into Jerusalem. So if we look in Luke chapter 19, starting in Luke 19 and verse 28, in many Bibles the heading will be triumphal entry. And if we think about that, what is Jesus getting ready to do? So much of the book of Luke is getting from Galilee down to Jerusalem. That's what, his, that's what his travels are. And he's going to Jerusalem for that very last time. And so he's coming in Jerusalem, and they, saw, they, they call it this triumphal entry. I realize that that wasn't in the original text, that that's a man-emphasized uh, point. But we think about what is Jesus getting ready to do. So as he's coming in, people are laying their clothes on the road for the donkey to walk on. They recognize who this is. They recognize this is their king. They recognize that the power and the abilities that he has, that he is from God. There were palm trees, there were palm leaves that were brought out. So we think of all these people that were following and worship him. And th- there was this triumphal entry that he comes in. So in uh, John chapter 4, uh, excuse me, uh, Luke chapter 19, is they, they, they laid their clothes out for him. So we might ask ourselves, these people were excited to hear about and see Jesus. Would we be that same way? Are we excited when someone says, hey, I want to talk about Jesus? Do we have this kind of enthusiasm? Do we have this kind of excitement to say, you know what? I remember reading about when he came into Jerusalem, how victorious this was, how he was looking at coming in. And so he tells us in... uh, Starting in verse 38. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, glory to the highest. So this is what the people are saying. And then in verse 39, and some of the Pharisees and the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. You know what? These people need to be quiet. Look what they're doing. They're, they're honoring you, they're praising you, and they're, they're claiming that you're God. And his response is, I tell you, if these were silent... 
that the stones would cry out. This is such a glorious occasion. I'm coming to Jerusalem. There's going to be this great event that's going to happen. That if these people were quiet, the rest of the earth would recognize what's getting ready to happen. There's getting ready to be this great event. And so as he's coming in, the people are recognizing this is our king. So this is the final week when Jesus enters into, uh, into Jerusalem. And so then he's getting ready to go to the cross. <clears throat> so in Mark's account, Mark chapter 14 and 15, the latter part of Mark 14, we see Jesus is going through a trial. He's been arrested. He's going through a fake trial. They've already determined his outcome long before the trial began. We see that his uh, disciples have rejected him. We see that Peter denies him. Just hours before said, it won't be me. I'm going to be there for you the whole time. But now Jesus is going to be alone. And so he goes to the cross. He goes to these trials. All of this happens. We look at this. Uh, he endured this pain. He suffered the sacrifice, but these were not for his own wrongdoings. Jesus' death on the cross was a victory, but it was a victory for you and it was a victory for me. Because without him, we would not have that hope of eternal life. We have to look at it and say, he did all of this. He did these great things for us. So he endured the cross for you and for me. So what do we think? How do we handle the cross? Again, we think, if you're not a Christian, and you know about this, what's pausing us? What's waiting for us? We're told, that the Hebrew writer tells us, there is nothing else coming. This is it. This is, the, this is what we have. This is the perfect sacrifice. There's not going to be another one. And so if we delay, we're delaying for no reason. We have to remember that the story does not end there. Jesus does die on that cross. But it doesn't stop. And the three days later, he rises once again. 1 Corinthians 15, 26 tells us that death is that last enemy to be conquered. And Jesus rose from the grave, and he will never die again. He went through that. He went through that pain. He went through that anguish. He went through that torture. But he'll never do it again. Because he has conquered death. We're told that Jesus now sits on the right hand side of God. He's sitting up in heaven. The song that we just said, and how, how wonderful or how beautiful heaven must be. We think of the things that John writes to us in, in Revelation. Just a glimpse of what he saw to say, this is what, what heaven looks like. And then to go on to there to think, and now God and Jesus are there too. We can see be in his presence. How beautiful that, that must be. How wonderful that must be. He's now victorious, and there's nothing that can take him off of that throne. So we might ask ourselves, what about our victories? What is our victory? In John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to me except through, no one comes to the Father except through me. We have to realize that if we want to go to heaven, if we want to be 
with him in that last day, we have to do it the way that Jesus has asked us to. We have to follow his commands. We cannot be victorious if Jesus wasn't victorious. We can't be victorious if we don't follow what Jesus did. We know and we can see through the scriptures that Jesus did his part, that he was victorious. The Hebrew writer again tells us that Jesus is better than the old covenant. The new covenant is better than the old. The new priesthood is much better than the old priesthood. And this sacrifice was much better than the animal sacrifice. He also tells us in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 29, how much worse punishment do you think it will be would be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace. So we think about that as what is he talking about here? So on that final day in judgment, there's going to be a separation. Those that have followed God and those that haven't. And so those that have obeyed his will, those that have followed him, will be in heaven with him. Those who disobeyed will not. They will be in hell. And so we think, you know, there are people of the world that will probably never know uh, about the gospel because they're not interested. They won't ever be affected because this just isn't what they're part of. But if you're there, if you're in hell, and you know, I don't have to be here, and I know what I needed to do to not be here. To not be there for forever. So would you want to be, I mean, so everybody likes to be being around winners. We think of all the things that Jesus did. He was there at creation. John chapter 1 tells us he was there in the beginning. We talk about, or we read about in Genesis chapter 1, how the scripture teaches us that everything that they did, everything that they created was good. And we, talk, and we read about, again, in Revelation, how heaven, how beautiful it is, how Jesus has gone to prepare a place for his followers. That This is going to be the final victory. Yes, we'll have uh, some victories here on this earth. We'll be tempted and we'll overcome it. That'll be a victory. We'll help somebody else get through it. That will be a victory. But one day, we can be in the presence of God, and that will be the final victory, the one that we are looking forward to. So again, I'll ask the question. If you know about God, if you know about Jesus, if you know about his sacrifice, what would prevent you from wanting to be a follower? What would be the hesitation to say, I'm just not ready? What would be the hindrance? We're getting ready to sing a song, number 174, Christ Arose. The song is talking about Jesus' time in the grave. It talks about how he was lowly in the grave. They take his body and they put it in the grave and they seal it with a rock. We're going to keep him here. We're going to keep him under. They vainly watched his bed. We're going we're to put guards around this to make sure that he can't escape. But then the final verse, death cannot keep his prey. He overcame that. And then in the chorus, the chorus is sung much quickly. And when we get ready to sing this, I would ask that we all sing out. This is such a wonderful part. Up from the grave he arose. 
with a mighty triumph over his foes. There was nothing that could keep him down. But Jesus was victorious in everything that he did. So I ask you tonight, what is pausing you? What is holding you back from wanting to be a Christian? What is holding you back from wanting to be a follower of Jesus? Or maybe you have strayed. and Maybe you have wandered from the truth. What would prevent you from wanting to get back into the right relationship with God? I ask you to come forward as we stand and sing.